Good morning and welcome, Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin. Happy Tuesday. The countdown to Old St. Nick is in full effect. Uh, what are we, a week away from Christmas? I hope today finds you well. The sun is out, the birds are chirping, and we're rocking and firing here in the hole in the ceiling studios. 800-951-0592 is our toll-free number. Legal, lawful, constitutional tender. It is what we do. The website at allamericangold.com. And, you know, I'll say this. Next time I get a really great idea, talk me out of it. Uh, Colorado, I think we're on. I'm not sure that we're on, but I think we are. Uh, I know that yesterday wasn't the greatest day. It is getting better. We're working on it. I promise it's not going to take long. We're going to be there, and we're going to be there real quick. Hang in there. Uh, We got, you know, when when it's all said and done, I will say this. You're going to love it. You're going to be so thankful because it's going to be, you know, a lot better than how we found it. And I think that's uh, one of the great things about us. Uh, Speaking of uh, better, well, or maybe not better, Wall Street, another big down day yesterday. Today it was rallying that ra- I don't it's it's early, but you never can tell. Uh, the Dow is up 200 right now. Um, we'll see if it lasts. I worried about crude oil. I've been talking to you about crude oil. Uh, crashed today, uh, down almost five percent. Uh, now forty seven dollars in change. That's that's not. You know, it, I hate to say, you know, it's funny. That that should be good news. It is, but it isn't. Uh, it, it's good news when the gas prices fall. I saw it today, two seventy one here, and I don't get it. I mean, it, it should be like I, I you know, two forty, two thirty. Uh, why is it still two seventy? I don't know, but uh, still uh, two seventy one. That's and that's down, you know, about twenty five cents from the high. Uh, but crude oil uh, breaking below 50. Uh, we're probably now going to start hearing uh, about bankruptcies in the oil area. Uh, that really is going to put a dampen on, on drilling and things of that. And, you know, at, at $70, $80 a barrel, they were making good money. Uh, now below 50, uh, you know, you, you got to be smart. Some places you can, uh, other places you cannot. Uh, a lot of things that we are going to talk about. My favorite people were out. Matter of fact, out on our website, a great interview this morning. We're actually going to play it here with Stanley. Uh, or it wasn't uh, Stanley Drunkenmill. I, I he did the op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, uh, but it was Jeffrey Gunlatch that that did the interview with CNBC. Listen, you're going to want to pay attention. And, and all you can do is, right, you, you, you connect the dots and, and you try to put it all together and, and draw conclusions on where things are, are going to go. And and you start looking at data points today. The biggest economic data out today was uh, single-family and multi-family construction. And what we learned today, everybody apparently is going to live in an apartment. I mean, that that's really what happens. They are construction. These are 
uh, in the process of either being permitted or in the process of being built, single-family housing starts fell more than 13% year over year. I mean, it's incredible. It really is. Uh, but don't worry. Sale or uh, Construction of apartment buildings, well, they, they were up and up big. Matter of fact, sales of uh, uh, construction of apartment buildings, not sales, construction of apartment buildings up 20%. So uh, there's a great indication. You look at this town, Phoenix, I, I want to say, well, we got to be like the apartment capital of the world now. I, I, everywhere I go. Apartment, apartment, apartment. See, they already know. This is where everybody is going to end up. Because, first of all, no one can afford a home. And and I will say this. The affordability uh, may start to get a lot better. Uh, I just got a text from Jason. Uh, uh, listen, by the way, and I know we make fun of Jason a lot. Uh, but for those of you up there in Colorado, Jason runs our Colorado office for you Phoenix folks and everybody else who's listening. Uh, give him an attaboy. He's worked in his hind tail off. Uh, him and, and Brian both. Uh, it's been a tough 24 hours, but uh, apparently we are on the air. And I've got a funny feeling. In the next 24 hours, there's going to be a great improvement in, in what's happening there. But uh, nonetheless, uh, housing is, you know, you got to put 20% down, like the old days. And nobody has the money, right? At best, at best, maybe you're fortunate enough, and I'm talking about the younger generation now, that you can pay all of your bills by yourself without mommy and daddy. That's if you're lucky. We've got a great story about that as well. How much are we really spending on our adult children? You're not You're not going to believe. Are you an adult if you still need mom and dad to get by? And, and really, why is it? Because I'm going to tell you this right now. I know these millennials. I, I've coached most of them. I know these kids. They're, they're no different than, you, than I was. You were. Your friends were. There. They want to work. They want to be productive members of society. The Central Bank has made sure they're going to be broke forever. We'll be back after the break. 800-951-0592. That is our toll-free number. And, and I say it to you all the time. Don't take my word for it. I want to educate. I'm not here to scare anybody. You know, and, I, and, and people don't say that as much now. They used to. But, but that's not what we're trying to do. We, we don't want to scare anybody. We want to educate. And, and don't just take my word for it. And I've given you the names of a bunch of people uh, throughout, you know, the years that I've been here, the people that I like, the people that I trust, and, and the, the legends of uh, the industry, uh, guys like Chanos, uh, guys like Stan Drunkenmiller, guys like Jeff Gunlatch and, and, and Ray Dalio and others. These are guys that aren't uh, uh, gold bugs, right? You know, that hey, we just believe in gold. That's not these guys. These guys are billionaires. These guys 
are the ones that the other billionaires give their money to to make them even more billions. And they've all been out with some incredible warnings. Uh, we're going to play a clip. Uh, this is also, by the way, on our website today. And actually, today is one of those days. Ramon, by the way, you did a great job today. Great stuff out there today at allamericangold.com. Uh, but we're going to hear from Jeff Gunlitz. We're going to, and I'll, I'll cut in in here and, and add a little color to it uh, as the interview uh, takes place. But talking about the bond market, okay? So, so this is the guy. He's the kind of like the new bond king, if you will. The warnings and the predictions that he makes. And, and again, remember, I'm just trying, I want you to be ready. I want you to prepare. I want you to be able to prosper when when others aren't going to be able to do so. Ramon, let, let's start playing them. So I've had a, a call for the last over two years that come 2021, the 10-year Treasury will be at 6%. And I get a lot of pushback. There's a lot of debt deflationists out there in the in the Twitter sphere and the blog sphere, and they say you're absolutely wrong. The economy can't handle higher interest rates. But, you know, interest rates might have a life of their own. It might not matter what the market can handle or can't handle. They haven't to this point. Stop it right there. So, so think about this. You already know because I've educated you. We've got a 10-year note today. That's what, in the 2.8 something percent? And the small national debt number is a trillion dollars for the year at 6%. And remember, he, and here's a guy, he puts his money where his mouth is. 2021. Listen, we're, we're two weeks away from 2019. This is a very small window and of course everybody and he's right everyone oh no way we can't i'm already gonna tell you i think that he's right and quite honestly the size of the national debt with a 10-year note yielding six percent forget about one trillion forget about two trillion we'll be Three to four trillion dollars a year. You better get ready. Let's keep playing them. And somewhat surprising that rates have remained where they are. I mean, you said three percent. They hit three percent. Three and a quarter got to three and a quarter. Yep. And here we are below two nine today. Yes, on the ten year. I, I was really focusing on the thirty year, which I thought when it broke above three twenty five, that was incredibly important. Frankly, I didn't think we'd ever go back below three twenty five. Uh, once we broke above, because it seemed like such an important level. But here we are, we're back below 325, but not impressively. Not in a way that would be consistent with a big decline in the global stock market. There's a thing called a death cross. It's a 50-day moving average, goes below the 200-day, and particularly when they're both declining, it's a death cross. Uh, presently, about 80% of the countries in the MSCI World Index are in a death cross. 80%. It's amazing. And there was a, a chart that got a lot of play that was put out by Deutsche Bank about how many risk assets globally 
are in officially bear markets, down that arbitrary 20% number that, again, I don't really ascribe to, but it's so commonly used that they used it. And it's like the highest in the data series, going back to 1901. It's like 90% of the risk assets around the world in dollar terms are in bear markets. So it's a pretty uh, widespread and coordinated uh, set of weaknesses. Are, Are you saying that by embarking on this suicide mission that the Fed shouldn't raise interest rates? This week, I don't really think that's the main thrust of my idea. It's uh, and this week, yeah, I think they shouldn't raise them this week. I you, agree, you think I they shouldn't? That. No, I don't think they should. The bond market is basically saying, you know, Fed, you've got uh, no way you should be raising interest rates. Look at the twos, threes, five-year part of the yield curve, which are flat at two seventy. I mean, I guess that is corroborative of maybe a hike, but it's basically right there. Hold it right there. So now he's talking about. We're, you know, obviously talking about all of the bear markets happening, and they're acting like they're not there. They're there. Then talking about the rate hike that we're supposed to get tomorrow. And telling you, listen, the bond market is clear. It's telling the Fed, don't hike. Something's wrong. And the funny part is, remember now, the Federal Reserve is trying to convince you that the bond market doesn't matter. Right? I know that it always tells us when the recessions are coming, but it doesn't matter this time. And, of course, the bond king saying, oh, it matters. Now, I don't think the Fed is listening, but, but trust me, it is going to matter. Go ahead, Ramon, keep playing that in the year 2019, you're going to have a cut. This big, but a cut. That's what's priced into the yield curve. And in 2020, another cut. So the the problem, though, isn't that the Fed shouldn't be raising... The problem is the Fed shouldn't have kept them so low for so long. Sure. The problem is that we shouldn't have had negative interest rates like we still have in Europe. We shouldn't have done quantitative easing, which is a circular financing scheme. But the problem really is the deficit. The Fed is kind of helpless here. The fact that the deficit is so out of control this late in the economic cycle, we have never before had the Fed raise interest rates while the budget deficit was expanding. It's never happened because usually the budget deficit expands in response to a recession. It's a way of stimulating to get us out of recession. But instead, we did it as a last gasp of keeping this economic recovery going by making it completely deficit-based. So this morning, President Trump once again tweeted about the Fed, quote, It's incredible that with a very strong dollar and virtually no inflation, the outside world blowing up around us, Paris burning, China way down, that the Fed is even considering another interest rate hike. Take a victory, he said. Stan Druckenmiller, today, op-ed Wall Street Journal. The Fed should, quote, pause its double-barreled blitz of higher rates and tighter liquidity. Mm. So they're right. You agree with them? I do agree with them. I've been saying this pretty much all year. The the double-barreled was actually, he may have borrowed that from me. That's what I've been talking about. That's what I've been phrasing it um, all year, that we're really been tightening interest rates in a way that's more than people understand. There's a duo of economists at the Atlanta Fed called Wu and Shaw who did a study a few years back. What was the effect of quantitative easing? If they hadn't done the quantitative easing and instead had taken the European model and gone to negative interest rates, how negative would those rates have had to be to have the same stimulative effect as the quantitative easing? And they concluded, and I don't know if they're right or not, it's very hypothetical, But their conclusion was 
that the quantitative easing amounted to 300 basis points of further cuts. So we, if they hadn't done quantitative easing, to have the same sum of effect, Fed funds would have had been negative 300 basis points. Well, let's just say they're right. Since they did about $2.5 trillion of quantitative easing, and it was 300 basis points, $2.5 trillion divided by three is roughly $800 billion. Okay? So $800 billion, is, uh, $800 billion uh, divided by four means that's how, what quantitative easing is one cut. So 100 basis points is 800 billion, so divide by four. 25 basis points is $200 billion of quantitative easing. Well, so far, we're pushing towards 400 billion, and we're not there yet, but we're soon to be there, of quantitative tightening. That means we've had two more rate hikes from quantitative tightening if Wu and Shaw are right. So the Fed hasn't just raised rates in that context eight times, they've raised them 10 times. And the quantitative tightening is um, stated to be as high as 600 billion. Over, the, over fiscal 19. So that's another right three. There, hold it right there. So what he's talking about is the unwinding of the central bank's bond-buying program. Remember, they created $4 trillion out of thin air. That's how they saved the bank, right? They, they bought all that debt. They bought mortgage debt. They bought securities. They bought treasuries. And, and really what he's trying to let you know is that's another form of tightening, and policy is even tighter than that. And he expects all of that to end, right? Did you hear him? 2019 is going to be rate cut. I think before the rate cuts, you're probably going to get what? Hey, we're going to stop doing the balance sheet, plus we're going to do rate cuts. Then he said 2020 is going to be rate cut as well. And remember his prediction for the 10-year note. He doesn't think that the and, – and I hope he's wrong but he's a really smart guy, that even though we'll be cutting, that rates are going to be rising. You look at the Treasury Department today issuing these reports about uh, bondholding. Right? China continuing. It's, it's slow, but now their bondholdings are the lowest in 18 months. Right? They keep selling. Japan keeps selling. Matter of fact, Really, the only buyer out there, it appears, pension fund. And we know, we know the shape that they're in. But this is what he's talking about. So when, it, when you hear that, last, don't get confused by it. Listen, the Fed is trying to, to sell some of those securities that they bought. Because they know holding them is going to be a big, fat loser. But I'm going to tell you right now, they're running out of time. Rumo, go ahead and keep, finish with the clip. Rate hike. So if they were really going to follow their dots and raise rates so many times, there's another three on top of that. So the amount of tightening has been uh, under, underappreciated, I think, and Stan is right, as he often is, is one of the greatest investors ever, for uh, him and Chanos, I think, are the two, of the, the two titans of the hedge fund industry. They're right that we are seeing the bond market react in a way that is historically very predictive of the Fed should not be doing this. And yet, we have this strange dynamic that they've almost promised a rate hike here in December, and then the president shows up with his tweets trying to bully them into not doing it, and it puts Jay Powell and the team in a very tough position, because they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. So, again, when you sit there and you listen to logic, we have a very clear pattern 
that the bond market is telling the Fed that they shouldn't be hiking interest rates, that they've already over-tightened. And remember, uh, I told you, listen, they, they, they've got the history. The central bank has the history 100%. They're perfect. I mean, you think about it, right? When your kid comes home from school, hey, I got 100 on my test. You're like, yes. Way to go, son. Way to go. Way to go, honey. Way to... Great job. Unfortunately, the one thing the, the Federal Reserve has gotten 100% on isn't good, which is they overestimate their own abilities. And every time they've gone into these quote-unquote rate-hiking cycles, they put us right back into recession, and it's happening again. And all the signs are out there, uh, and it really doesn't matter. As as he, he talked about, listen, this forget about just the U.S. side. Ninety percent of paper markets are in bear markets. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. As most high school students know, and American history clearly demonstrates, the modern concept of birthright citizenship really is simply wrong. Indians living on reservations were not American citizens for most of our history, despite being born in our country. Native Americans were considered members only of their sovereign Indian tribes until Congress extended blanket citizenship in 1924. Similarly, children born to foreign ambassadors while in the United States are not American citizens, but are citizens of their country of origin. In their crusade against President Trump, globalists trot out alleged experts claiming that Trump's proposal to end birthright citizenship is impossible, unconstitutional, or morally wrong. But the hysterical overreaction by his critics proves how right Trump is. Omar Jadwat, director of the ACLU's Immigrants' Rights Project, said, The president cannot erase the Constitution with an executive order, and the 14th Amendment's citizenship guarantee is clear. This is a blatant, unconstitutional attempt to fan the flames of anti-immigrant hatred in the days ahead of the midterms. In fact, the last time the Supreme Court addressed the issue of birthright citizenship was 120 years ago in the case of a child born to a lawful permanent resident who had what is now called a green card. The Supreme Court has never decided the citizenship of those born to persons unlawfully present in the United States or lawfully present on temporary visas for tourism, education, or temporary employment. The ACLU was also bitterly opposed to Trump's policy of vetting travelers from countries that are hotbeds of terrorism. Globalists falsely characterized that policy as a Muslim ban, but it was upheld by the Supreme Court last June. Trump's new executive order should fare just as well when it gets to the court. Trump's announced intention to fulfill his campaign promise capped another week of setbacks for globalism. In Brazil, which is called the second largest democracy in the Western Hemisphere, the conservative nationalist Jair Bolsonaro won the presidency by a landslide of 55 to 45 percent. That adds Brazil to the United States, Hungary, and the Philippines, where conservative nationalists have triumphed on Election Day. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. 
Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800-951-0592, Patriot Radio News Hour, uh, talking about so uh, the Bond King, one of my favorite guys uh, uh, in in the in the investing arena, telling you, hey, listen, the bond market has already tell, told us where things are headed, and 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 I'm worried. I hope he's wrong. But he says by 2021, the 10-year note will yield 6%. And if you think about history, that's not even a big deal. That would be slightly below average. That would be slightly below average. I think average would be probably 7, 7.5, right? A 10-year or a Fed funds rate of you know, around 5%. But that's not what he said. He says he doesn't expect the Fed funds rate of 5%. He expects the Fed to be cutting. And yet the bond market will be going the other way. Uh, and again, right, we talk about this all the time. Where is the point? When investors start turning their back on U.S. Treasuries. I want you to know this. If the pension funds weren't buying, where would we be right now? Foreign governments, all, and it's not just China and Japan, they're the biggest. They're saying thanks, but no thanks. And then you start factoring in things, right? This is, you know, the great economy, and you hear all oh, the economy's so strong, it's so strong. Merrill Lynch just came out with their most recent study. And they found, and I, I, I knew it was a big number. I didn't know it was going to be this big. 79% of parents continue to serve as the family's bank for their grown-up children. Paying for big ticket items like college, wedding, and for smaller items such as, you know, cell phones, health care, insurance, tires on cars. And the list goes on and on. Parents of adult children, according to Merrill Lynch, contribute $500 billion annually, twice the amount that they've invested in their own retirement account. And again, they can't make it. Remember when we were growing up? You know, and I, I'm 48. Just, you know, to, to give you some context. Couldn't wait to move out of your parents' house. But your parents couldn't wait. And when you moved out, you moved out. Mom and dad weren't flipping you money for it. Matter of fact, you didn't want the money. The last thing you wanted to do 
was call your mom or your dad and ask for money. Right? You, you're like, you'd have to be starving or going to be homeless before you made that call. And you figured it out, but you could afford to do it. Can't afford it. Now, have you seen the... You, and I told you, we're like the apartment capital of the world. Have you seen what it costs to rent an apartment here? It's incredible. I mean, these were... You know what these rents were? They used to be called house payments. More than a house payment. 63% of parents say they've sacrificed their financial security for the sake of their children. Right? And that's kind of what happened. What are you going to do? Because you know the alternative. <laughs> the alternative is they're going to have to move back home. Here's what really was uh, even more eye-catching. 34% of people 18 to 34. At 18, you can maybe understand. 34? Lived under their parents' roof. One out of every three. Of those, one in four of those people who were living with mommy and daddy didn't go to school, nor did they have a job. <laughs> it's the greatest economy ever. Wow. You want to see adult children who are not being put in a position where they can be successful in their own right because they have a crutch which is different than an opportunity. Well, that, that's wishful thinking, right? I don't know what the answer is. When you sit there and you think about how, how does this happen, how does 79% see, 79% is not a crutch. When 79, let's round up, we make it easy. When 80% of people 18 to 34 still need to rely on their parents, it's not a crutch. Something's wrong. Right, and they can say, oh, it's only 2% inflation. Obviously, we know it's not. No one can afford it. No one can afford 20% down for a house. No one can afford a house. Heck, these millennials, they can't afford an apartment. You know, my one of my best friends, his daughter, who is, 28 or 29 I think she's 29 she just graduated from ASU and she took the hard road she took the hard road right her parents out of high school were helping her she said she didn't want to go to school this that and and in her uh, in her mid-20s decided man that was she's been working and going to school at the same time and they announced uh, to all of us that she is finally off the payroll at, at 29 years old. Finally off the payroll. They, they're not helping her financially. She's paying all of her own bills. She's got a good job. Problem is they got two other kids that are also in their 20s, both fully on the payroll. So, uh, you know, one out of three, kind of what this thing says. 
and now it's starting to slow down. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when mom and dad can't afford to help support their 18 to 34-year-old children? <laughs> What's that? Number? I mean, 34? What, what are we going to do? Oh, well, 40? 50? You know, where does it all end? Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. 800-951-0592. Make sure you get out to the website today. Really a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, Talking about student debt. Talking about parents providing uh, 79% of parents helping their adult children um, as far as living expenses go. Uh, Then we had that great interview with Jeffrey Gunlots about bonds and where we're heading next. And they start looking at uh, liquidity. Is there enough buyers for the debt that we're going to issue? And the one thing that I think is pretty evident is there isn't. You've got to remember, they, 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 they say a trillion, right, which is, just so you know, last year they did, what, 700 and, $780 billion, something like that. That was the, the small number. So now they're saying the small number is going to be a trillion. Okay, so, you know, that's, you know, let's just call it. There's a 250 billion more in in debt that needs to be bought by somebody. But remember, that's not the real number. Right? We really need to sell. Like last year, we needed to sell 1.3 trillion in bonds. So let let let's be kind and say it's 1.5, 1.6 trillion real number. Now you have the Federal Reserve who's not repurchasing a certain amount of bond. Now this year, the 2019 was supposed to be a big year. Something like $600 billion. And you heard Gunlot say that's not going to happen. That would mean that we would need to sell well over $2 trillion worth of debt just for one year. And everybody around the world, listen, everybody's slowing down. China's slowing. Japan Japan may be in recession, right? Europe may be in recession already. Where's all that money going to come from? And when you think about the logic that he's using, he's saying, hey, listen, there's not going to be all these people, and people who keep talking about uh, disinflation and this and that, and bonds can't go up. And he's like, yeah, they can. They absolutely can. Especially when people don't have confidence in the quote-unquote full faith and credit. And you heard him say the Fed should have never have done what they did. Remember, right? What a, oh, we've got tools in the tool kit. Like they're a carpenter or, or an electrician. Oh, we've got all these 
tools. Well, you know what the tools were? The tools were, and you know, these guys are academics. They were the things that they were taught to never do. And they said, well, you know what? It's, it's an emergency. See what they really did? See, they thought they were putting water on the fire, right? Put the fire out. The problem is the fire that they were putting out was the grease fire. And now they've thrown all this water on it. And it's getting ready to <laughs> getting ready to explode. And I've been telling you this for a while. I've been preparing you. And so you sit there and you start thinking about here we are at the end of this cycle. Never before. Did you hear the other thing you said? For the first time where we've seen the Fed raising rates, raising rates, and the deficit skyrocketing. It's never happened. See, we used to follow this little pattern of, oh, the, we're in a recession or the economy's slowing down. Pick up the government spending. Right? That was always the solution. Pick it up. Now... Here we are, we're, we're, we allegedly have this great economy, <laughs> and the debt is exploding. And they're raising rates into it, and he says it's going to end horribly. And it makes sense. Really, it does, if you really think about it. You don't even think that hard. That makes no sense. Right? Why, why would you make it even cost even more? Now the government's out there borrowing. Everything has gotten to the, you know, really, the numbers are ridiculous when you think about it. Right? A trillion dollars a year? By 2021. Now, I thought by 2021, and I've told you this, we'd be above $2 trillion. I never imagined. It could be four. But that's what he just said. Ten-year note going to be 6%. And my guess is the reason it's going to be 6% is because nobody wants it. Right? It's kind of like, look at Illinois and Chicago bonds. Right? You got to, you get uh, a Sears. Sears is a great example. For Sears to borrow money, they got to pay like 11, 12% interest because no one really wants to lend them any money. That's what the Bond King is saying. Be prepared. Be ready. Call us 800 951 Take the time. Get prepared. Right? It, it really is. When you think about all the things that we've never done, that we're doing now, and somehow they're, they're saying, hey, it's going to be okay. By the way, Alan Greenspan just came out and told everybody to run. I'll tell you from what when we return. Final segment on this Tuesday, 800-951-0592. Give Wendy. Wendy's going to be answering the phone, so give her a call. We've got a, a smorgasbord of deals. Uh, too many to go into. We've got we've got some 20s that we've got. We've got 
some fives, some tens. We got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Give her a call. She's gonna. She's wheeling and dealing all day today. This is one of those days. Great day to call. Uh, you're gonna get a fantastic uh, opportunity. Uh, gold twelve hundred forty nine. Uh, twelve forty nine. It's up a, a little over a dollar and a half, two bucks, depending on where you look. One to two bucks on gold, uh, silver. Uh, just getting into positive territory just right now. Twelve or twelve, fourteen sixty three. The Dow's up two hundred. We'll see. Uh, by the way, crude oil is getting a li- little worse now, down five point three percent. Crude oil down two sixty, two seventy, forty-seven dollars twenty-six cents. Alan Greenspan came out with a warning today, telling everybody, every stock investor, to run, run, run away. And it made me think about my uncle. Remember Eric's commercial? We're right behind you. That way, when we turn around and run, we'll be in front. Yeah, that's what Alan Greenspan's kind of letting you know today. If you want to be in front, because everyone's getting ready to turn around and start running. If you want to be in front, you better have some gold and silver put away. 800-951-0592. That is our toll-free number. Uh, Some of the things I I didn't get to it exactly. I touched on it, didn't dig into it. Tomorrow I may dig into uh, who's been buying the debt, and I've already kind of told you, listen, pension funds uh, gave the illusion uh, that people were, or that uh, demand for treasuries was there. That's not going to continue, uh, especially because these pension funds, even though, you know, now the year, right, the year's gone south. But look at Illinois as a great example. Do you know that Illinois... Even though last year stocks were up 30%, even though they made everybody contribute more and they raised tax, did all this stuff, that the pensions got worse. And now 2018 looks like it's going to, this is the worst December in decades. And it looks like it's only getting started. And then tomorrow, for sure, we're going to talk about Goldman Sachs, another banker, another story of corruption and Goldman Sachs uh, this story is just starting to to gain traction here they're trying to blame two rogue traders and now they they may be being investigated for other crimes uh, committed not just against people but against entire countries uh, the first one involving Malaysia. We talked about it briefly uh, a few weeks ago. I got an update. Uh, I'll get you on that. But just remember, and I've said this all the time: you got to have your money in the bank, right? Got to pay your bills. Got to, you know, you got to play the game. But only play it as much as you need to play because it's broth. It's loaded with criminals. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back tomorrow.